great when an episode starts with a bit of bird tweeting and the sun on your face. I do welcome these days because let's face it, over the past few weeks it's been pretty cold, pretty windy and pretty wet. Today I'm um, back in Timpwhistle over the other side. I can see Bottoms Reservoir, just a small triangle of it through the gap in the houses, twinkling away in the reflection of the sun and uh, more of the snowdrops coming around here. I'm on Stock's Brow where we're starting our walk right by the Bull's Head, an old lane where I walked past here a few weeks ago actually with Billy. And today I am talking art actually and more importantly about the boundary. I've been exploring as the project has gone on this idea of the Peak District National Park, the boundary with the support of the Peak District National Park as in the making of this series. But some people who've been doing that a lot longer than I have, for many more years than I have, are Cora and Dave, who are with me today from Glassball Studio. We're going to walk up towards where, I think it's Armfield Farm, isn't it? That's where we're going to go as far as. And I'm particularly interested in taking these guys in a little bit of a diversion to see an air shaft Cora, how do you describe people? Like, what do you do? I mean, like, do you even have a job title? <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't start with laughing. I mean, I don't, I? so I don't um, know what I do. No, I wouldn't say. Um, I, I always just introduce myself as an artist. And we, and I say we every time when I'm talking about myself and David as a collaborative practice together. So we both have our individual practices as artists. Um, we started working together um, back in 2002, I do believe. We're just going to turn right now onto Armfield Lane, down this old cobbled road, uh, which is the Pennine Bridleway, if you are walking with us today. There's even a little green circle that says um, it marks the boundary walk that we're following today. The project that you've been working here, it's called Guideline, isn't it? And people can go check it out, guideline.org.uk. And the specific bit that you've been looking at has been from Glossop to Diggle. It's quite a big patch, isn't it? Yes, it certainly is. Um, We approached this initially to look at, yeah, from Glossop to Diggle because we looked on a map and saw a very unusual boundary line around Glossop that literally looked like somebody had drawn... It's like a circle, isn't it? It looks like someone on a Friday afternoon just went, oh, we'll just do a teacup, you know? But um, So there was a bit of um, fascination, I suppose, about the idea of you know, how that came about, what were the processes behind it, and then looking at this part of the Peak District National Park because it's not necessarily associated with, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's quite far removed from the centre, which is kind of more like Bakewell, which is where the headquarters for the authority are, and we were approached and, and sort of discussed this with the cultural heritage manager, um, Anna Badcock, and wanted to sort of discuss ideas really around... What does the boundary actually mean in you know on on the ground you know for people who kind of live and work along that space and uh, it sort of i suppose it developed from there really didn't it and uh, i mean we are literally walking on the boundary as we are it's a beautiful cobbled lane down um, which is arnfield lane and just as we come out of tint whistle and i think um there's not really as apart from that little marker that you pointed out there isn't actually you know there's not really anything to sort of say to you that one side is the Peak District National Park and the other side isn't. 
Um, yeah, it's just that, almost like an administrative you know, mark on the map. That is the interesting part, isn't it? Because actually, even as I've been speaking to people who I bumped into during the recording of these podcasts, people don't know that there's a boundary. It's not like, you know, there is, you are now entering the National Park. There's no, there's not, because you're constantly, people actually, the way they use it, they're blending in this kind of in and out transition. You know, the people that are in the allotments to the left of us, they probably come out this gate and they don't know, oh, I'm going into the Peak District National Park right now. You know? And also, in, in some respects, they don't really need to know. Yeah. There's quite, it's quite interesting. There's kind of, there's education in regards to that in a sense of does it really matter that you know or you don't know in yeah. some respects because it's the landscape in which people live and work in. And I think if there was big signs or no signs, that... It just emphasises something we were interested in, which mm. was this idea of what is a boundary. Well, and the way you've kind of done that is, is working with lots of different people over a number of years to do guided walks with people with an archaeology kind of slant. You've done it with artists who enjoy following contours. You've got a film. You know, you've done moss workshops, which I've been to, where... Soil batteries. Soil, yep, earth batteries. I mean, I never thought I would spend the day building a terrarium from moss from Bottoms Reservoir and then turning it into an earth battery. <laughs> you know, you you know, it, you blow my mind with some of the things <laughs> that you do. Um, well, it was really thinking about, again, what a boundary can mean and what does it mean? So it's definitely an artificial construct. It's an act of imagination of some sort. And then how does that take a physical form? The... The line on the map for the boundary, Peak Park boundary, it's about 30 metres wide, about approximately. Yeah, because people think it's just, a, it's just a, a thin line that you kind of need to walk, like a tightrope, and that's not at all true. It's definitely a wide line. <laughs> I also think, it, I, think it, I see it more as, um, we've talked about this with quite a few different people as well, in particular like with the park rangers as well, that it's a transition space. It's about how people sort of approach and how their mindset changes as you approach the park, for example. Mm. Um, but also how the park then, you take a piece of the park with you in a sense of your experiences as you leave as well. So it's kind of, you know, that's, that's an exchange as you cross over the boundary. I'm just going to take a, a left turn here. We've come to a bit where there's a Tim Whistle Parish Council bin and a gate, a metal gate, which is locked up. But you are able to walk down a footpath and down here is where we'll find one of the air shafts which I think I haven't had a chance to talk about on any of the other episodes and I suppose it's these kind of like markers that you know I imagine like covering from Glossop to Diggle I mean here on this project I'm kind of almost going I'd say quite quite micro or niche but if you've ever walked all the way from Hadfield to Woodhead Tunnels it's a flipping long way by foot but, I, I, you know, I'm kind of like just looking at a very small corner of where the boundary is. But these little kind of like markers that you find along the way are, are quite fascinating. You start to read the maps through new eyes. And on the Ordnance Survey map, I looked uh, a few weeks ago and saw there was an air shaft in the middle of these tint whistle uh, allotments. Oh, look. Hello. Are you going to sing for us? It's a whole bunch of uh, hens here. Hello, good morning. No? 
Kind of no. They're not they're not chatty today, should we put it. But yeah, there's a bench here and then there's this kind of circular stone building with I don't know, what is it? A rack or something on top? Yeah. A blackbird sat on it. And boom, that is one of the air shafts that takes takes the water. And interestingly, there is an air shaft which is um over by Mottram Crossroads, Mottram in Londondale. And it's in the middle of a new housing estate and there is a blue plaque for Bateman who was the person who, you know, was the mastermind of engineering these reservoirs, the first of their kind. But yeah, look, we'll just, we'll do a, a loop. Should we go clockwise or anti-clockwise around the air shaft? Clockwise, okay. Don't ask me why, but... yeah, we're just touching the air shaft and being like, hey, we see you. Thanks for giving us water. <laughs> really peaceful and tranquil here there's nobody at the allotments which is a shame It'd be lovely to chat with some of them at some point loads of little hens a flag there's a union jack flag yep hello to you too it's a lovely place just to sit on this bench i imagine they probably don't want too many people here but you can see the views over to the nab of monks road the mast of Bankswood Park <laughs> and the daffodils just starting to say hello to us I reckon with a bit more sun they'll come and uh, shine for us very soon so let's turn around and head back up the gravel path towards Arnfield Lane this so Dave this is a place that you you brought one of the artists you collaborated with as part of the project, Alison Lloyd, to walk, well, she kind of walked the whole of the the boundary that you were covering, but this place became a particular point of interest uh, after Armfield Farm, Ogden Clough. What did you do for that? Well, we've been talking about collaboration a lot and we wanted to understand how her practice could perhaps become an element of what we're doing so not just a case of inviting Alison to come along and to perform one of her walks but also to perhaps uh, do something a bit different which is connected to her practice still what does she do she walks she walks she takes photos she sees things yes, uh, in kind of like micro detail I suppose yeah as a walking artist and obviously she's not here to explain it but I think what was really fascinating what fascinated us about Alison's work was how she used um, photography Obviously. yeah to kind of almost as an evidence a form of evidence of the walk and the physical endeavor of uh, what she was doing and what she was involved in but also just that marking that presence of a sort of in particular the kind of the female body within the landscape I really liked how she also kind of integrated, you know, sort of elements of her walking gear because she was using a cable release. So she'd... Uh, she was using a what, sorry? A, a, a cable, cable release. release with, the, um, with her camera so that she can still, you know, sort of almost like it's like a tether where you can then position yourself in the landscape or wherever you like to, but and obviously then you can control when the photograph is taken. Oh, so I see. Right. You can dismiss them as accidental photographs because sometimes uh, a photograph's taken and the cable release, cable is in the way, a foot's in the way because somebody's walking past, uh, a bag, something else, grass, some kind of 
parts of the environment and I think they end up being wonderful images, wonderful uh, photographs. And Alison, when we were working with her, we became part of that process that Alison uses to, to take photographs. So she creates really interesting pictures using this process and I had not really seen that before. So when we were up in this place beyond Ogden Brook, we thought we could make a film collaboratively in that sense. And it was a question then of, well, how do you do that? You know, which we found interesting. We found it a good way to interrogate decisions as to why we're there, what we're doing, um, really to instigate something which we hadn't tried before to see how far it could go, which then leads to, you've done the filming, then when it comes to another process, editing, how does that happen? Mm. Normally it's one or two people at best and one person's really making those decisions and then somebody else might see it later on. So we did it all together. That is what collaboration is. Or a recipe for an argument. <laughs> Talking about Alison's work in particular and um, one of the things I was really interested in is how she developed her walking practice as well um, by using contouring instead of actually kind of following you know, a footpath, she would follow a contour. So what does that mean? So if you look on, say, like an audience survey map, you've got the contours of the different, as you increase in height, for example, for a hill, you'll start to see the contours kind of start to shrink together. That might be a bit steeper. So then they've the... got the little right. measurements on there, for example, so you can see how high you're going on the map. But I really like the idea that it wasn't just, you know, I see the top of a hill, I have to therefore go straight to the top. You know, it's the idea that she wanted to take people more on a journey. But So it's quite interesting because... Alison's walking practice, in a sense, is extremely solitary, um, but she also has delivered walks with people, and we've, we're quite fascinated between that sort of that dynamic, really, and how to share her practice with people, and you know, <clears throat> excuse me, how you introduce people to another way of walking within a space that they might know quite well. But if you can, all of this was about working with somebody who would work with us and the landscape and discuss and think about this idea of what a boundary can mean. So aspects of Alison's practice, contouring, walking, other things were all about traversing this area where the boundary is. Uh, working with another artist, Tony Hall, with the uh, soil batteries and other things. Mr this, Moss. Mr Moss, mm -hmm. but he's, he's a lot more, he's, that's not his real name. Yeah. Uh, but Tony's great, and it was this idea of how. <laughs> Sorry, the cyclist coming is just there. Come on, we've got to cheer him on. Come on, you can do it. The man with the blue helmet, blue jacket. You can do it, you can do it. Don't think about that yet. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Tony, uh, again, we were working with him uh and with some of the technology that he's been uh, developing which is this idea of transmitting sound with light powered with soil batteries and we were fast you, you just got a pause there because like for most ordinary people they're like what i mean it, i'm it is, still it is thinking a, what yeah you know? yeah none of us well, could figure maybe, out maybe how kind of if i can come in at yeah? this point because oh, um, yeah. the techno no uh, <laughs> See, this is the yin and yang element going on. Um, what? <laughs> what I think is that um, 
what was interesting is that we were thinking about scale in particular, which is one. Um, Tony actually came on one of our walks that we did with Alison originally, mm-hmm. which um, was with Alderman's Hill, sort of near Dovestone's Re- Reservoir, which was, I don't know, more of the top top end of the area that we were looking at. Um, and it was really interesting because he became sort of, you know, um, sort of intrigued by the idea that the history around the formation of the park. He said that he uses this space but never really considered, you know, why it was formed. It's still quite young. It's only 72 years old, mm-hmm. actually, in the scheme of things. Um, and he was sort of, you know, started to think about how that reflected in his practice and thinking about how he crosses the boundary. He's a keen cyclist. But what was really interesting is we're talking about scale here. So our boundary that we've been sort of focusing on is 16 miles long. Is that all? Oh, just a, yeah, just <laughs> I mean, a few. Very hilly, yeah, I know, yeah. I know, 16 miles. But it's quite interesting when you look on the map. The start, for example, near Glossop, to Diggle, the, the landscape changes and you know completely morphs, and it's almost like very, very different just over that um, space. Mm. But what was interesting with Tony is that he's looking at the boundary and scale. So he was looking right down, so to looking at, you know, sort of I suppose microscopically, almost or you know, kind of really drilling down and looking at the boundary layers of moss, for example, and mm. within say a meter of that boundary, you're encountering you know hundreds and thousands of different elements and just different things that I thought was it was just really interesting to be able to explore the idea of scale I think and I think well, that's with Tony's work so I, I think having been to that workshop uh when was that like maybe August time it was yeah yeah yeah, yeah last year I have started to walk even where we are now we've just stopped actually there's, there's a little bench um which has the signpost for the Pennine Bride away and there's Crossgates Farm just down a lane that takes to the left towards Armfield Reservoir. There used to be an old stone marker here, um, an old cross which has since disappeared I think. But looking at the different types of dry stone walls for instance in this area along this path and I started looking, I've become a moss geek (laughs) as a result of going to that workshop and it's made me look on my walks in a different way so I look here and there's not a lot of moss on this wall because I guess it's, it's pretty open probably gets a little bit more sun than say some of the quarries where there's trees where it's a bit more damp Those but microclimates i think that's the thing as well that tony introduced us to this kind of you know the, how the wind changes you know um affects how yeah how the microclimate how you know what certain species of moss would enjoy and you know and kind of thrive in for example and um we well, notice it on trees yeah that's one of the things i noticed when i walked at swallows wood which is further down in front of us where there was this one tree that had three different colours on it have you seen one yeah no i was going to say i wanted to point out because um oh, the, i did uh, not notice this that's uh, just here that we've walked up and we've walked past it I'm, I'm just fascinated by the quality of the i think it's a copper plate that's been hand tapped well it's just opposite the bench where we just stopped so a little bit further up from the turn to crossgates i've walked up here loads and never ever noticed that there's a memorial here. Alex Marshall collapsed and died here, 1988. Lasting memories, his walking pals and friends. Well, there you go. And the reason why I wanted to rest in peace, Alex. Again, it's um, how people mark spaces. And the first time we walked actually along here, which because we are literally still on the uh, on the boundary, uh, there was a you know a can of beer that was just placed there. And I've noticed they've put like a little flagstone there as well now. So mm. kind of. They kind of seem to be adding to it each year, but again, it's um, unfortunately, uh, yes, it's a bit of a sad, a sad point to sort of stop on. But I just like the idea that how people then personalise the space around them, and 
it's like you were saying about markers and you know elements that kind of become your walk um i think for our walks especially with alison that we've been doing when we've been walking along here quite quite a lot actually and i think got to know the space in a different way but also we've been looking for things like cozy spaces mm-hmm. in the landscape because the landscape here is extremely vast in scale can be quite overpowering especially mm-hmm. if you're you know a novice walker or you're not familiar with the landscape for example and sometimes you find these spaces where you feel quite comfortable even though you're in the middle of wilderness yeah. you can kind of feel like you can settle down maybe have a cup of tea and have a, a stop and a think um and it's quite interesting that you know sort of Alison responded to that when she talked about cozy spaces and it's I don't know whether that's a contradiction to say that about you know being out in outdoors in sort of an open landscape such as we are but um again it's these markers that we find and then I noticed that Alison started to kind of give names to places so the bridge that we sort of ended up going towards which is literally on the map it says on the way to you know towards a wilderness which is quite unusual I think she calls it the Billy Goats Gruff Bridge you know so it's <laughs> little things like you know Alison might need to kind of contradict me on that one and correct me yeah. actually but there are interesting names in this little patch you know Devil's Bridge is one a lot of people talk about Ogden Clough is an interesting name isn't it because there's another Ogden Clough over the other side of the reservoirs but two different places you'll see that name actually come up quite a lot Alison every now and then sends me an image of like she'll be walking around Nottingham we'll have to check and see what the uh the old world translation is for Ogden Clough I'm sure someone listening will be shouting at us right now <laughs> but I think for some people they don't really consider going for a walk around here art I'm, I suppose I'm encouraging people to look at their walks in a slightly different way to look closer to maybe not take the same paths that they always did to recognize the fact that if you get a map out there is this dotted pink line and to appreciate that I mean there are some fields in front of where we're walking beyond where we're going to go today where there's pylons that follow the Pennine Bridleway path almost but you can look on a field and you see the footmarks like the path has been put through the middle of a field. The other thing with the pylons that we were interested in is again how can our boundary exist and it's almost audio as well so you hear the sounds with the pylon wires in the wind creates an incredible sound and you can hear that at different moments and we found that really interesting and again it's about decisions you know so decisions in making a piece of of artwork or decisions as to who decided that this boundary should be here Mm. so when we looked initially at the first description i think of what the boundary is it's about two pages it's in writing there's no drawing two pages yeah that's it and it's just a a kind of written description as to what the boundary should be and where so it's talking about oh it should be along this river turn right at this rock this sort of thing completely undetailed and somebody's come up with that decision somebody's thought about it somebody's conveyed it in that way and we thought that writing in a way could almost be an artwork because it was so vague (laughs) and (laughs) it was so initial and clearly this was the first time in many ways perhaps uh, it'd been formalized in terms of a decision somebody's thoughts being transposed into something else which would be in this case writing but it could be transposed into something else which could be how a farmer might be able to uh, tender their land and 
how they might not be able to do that mm. or the, the value of that land mm. financial or otherwise and planning constraints or planning freedoms depending on which side of the this boundary they were you know they happen to be on mm. so well, all those sorts of things we found really fascinating we are now where the gameskeeper's cottage is to the right armfield farm is to the left so we're going to walk down the hill um to the left actually you can see armfield reservoir and at one point there was hollingworth reservoir that was now where swallow woods was so there was actually a collection of seven reservoirs that formed as part of the Longdendale Reservoirs. In the distance you can see Mottram Church on the hill. I feel like you can see Mottram Church from everywhere. But in the middle of the field, another air shaft, if you look to the left. They're bizarre, weird, ugly looking things, aren't they? So They're markers in the landscape, aren't they? And I think... Um, which are often ignored, I suppose. Yeah. One big thing we've not really perhaps mentioned too much, we were also really interested in the politics because that was another major way as to how decisions perhaps have come from somebody's thoughts minds into something perhaps more physical and we've thought about that a lot and researched that quite a bit just to understand the formation of the peak park boundary how it continues and how it continues to change both in terms of political decisions thinking a peak park authority making changes and then how it changes in terms of technologically. So, you know, you look at this on Google, various Google glitches, and that boundary moves. There's various reasons as to why, but it's, it, they're all coming to the same point that a boundary is never fixed. So mm. it's never fixed temporally, it's never fixed physically, it's never fixed. It's always a process or a result of, of arguments, <laughs> in particular with the formation of the Peak Park. It's completely minuted and recorded various uh, big disagreements between local authorities, politicians, council as it goes on, uh, as to where this boundary should be. But also it's um, it's also worth noting as well that, I mean, um, Dave is just saying about arguments and disagreements, but actually I think we need to be, you know, grateful for a few key people who really fought for the idea of the park and what it meant talking about kind of key people such as um, Ethel Haythamthwaite and thinking about the idea that you know she really benefited from walking in this space almost to recover from loss and grief you know and dealing with that and I think that that's really fascinating and it's sort of but her drive and her passion to be able to pull together so many different people to actually create a one park I mean originally there was going to be two parks you know the weight of administration and discussions to be had to be able to get to that point to actually create you know like a kind of common vision I think um, and to become the sort of first national park is it's really a massive feat that I think you know again just having that sort of pure vision really and and drive to actually want to be able to create a space where people feel that they can access and and well as I say access we're walking past the sign that says private keep out which I think is quite interesting but I think of being able to experience this landscape. We've come down the hill now, we're almost at the end of our walk, across a really beautiful bridge and there is a lot of walls, different types of dry stone walls if you look closely, some gates. The way that some of the fields are divvied up around here makes no sense to me whatsoever. They're almost like zigzags along the line and there was a footpath which takes you along towards um, Tintwistle Nar 
where the Seven Falls are and Armfield Brook and those different bits. In fact, we're walking over the bridge, which has the waterline um, running underneath our feet. And so we get to a particular marker by the farm and um, this is where it marks restricted byway. This is where the Pennine Bridleway goes up. Am I right? Yes, up, just up to the right. Yeah. And there it says, Brushes Valley, two miles, three quarters. I've never heard of Brushes Valley. Brushes Valley, Tint Whistle. Maybe we need to go and have a look in an advert for the Bull's Head, where we've just walked from. Well, we'll just kind of walk around the corner and this is where, if you wish, you can walk down a real gravelly, once cobbled path in between two walls back down to Armfield Reservoir. So as far as I understand it from a fascinating walk that we did with um, archaeologist Tim Campbell-Green, who walked us along around here as well, which was a great another opportunity to kind of re-look at the landscape. This is an old road that takes you down past where there used to be a mill just at the bottom here. So, wow. um, which is why this has got this beautiful width to the road as well, but also it's got a lot of, you know, it's hardcore, it's kind of well-made. It's not just a, a path or a desire line. So it's, that's quite interesting to have a look. But um, one of the things that I did learn from Tim was the idea that when land has been disturbed by humans, that you um, thistles grow. So he said if you look where you can see kind of clumps of thistles, you can start to understand that there was kind of a previous archaeology or building or industrial archaeology kind of there which I think was really interesting again that's just another way of reading the landscape um, in particular right behind you as well he pointed out uh, the barn that's just behind us that on the lintel that goes across the door you'll find um, marks on there which are um, apotropaic marks which are kind of witch marks which is again something what? you know that really? you can find so and again it's just if you you know when you walk with somebody who's got a different sort of set of skills or knowledge or way of reading and understanding um, buildings and the built you know it's just fascinating because it just you just then you know you start to view places and you can't you can start to see you know how people have um, I suppose um, added their mark mm. Well, I mean, and it's amazing, like, the marks that are left behind, but I suppose also I'd encourage people to go and interact with your projects online because some of the people and the way that they use the paths along the boundary today, you know, you found people practising their saxophone further up the hill, which I find fascinating. I guess it's one way not to annoy the neighbours, isn't it? Um, The film that you're putting together, the photographs, some of the workshops and the talks that you've been holding, but, you know, if people are listening to this way in the future, hopefully that will live on your project online to maybe just come and enjoy this little walk from Bull's Head to Arnfield through a new perspective and, and look, like I say, for those little markers that, although we're kind of we can't see the chain of reservoirs which I've been walking up and down the last few weeks there are still reminders that they're not very far so we'll leave it there but thank you so much for um giving me a little flavor of it's all right thank and you I've learnt some new things of things to see <laughs> when I walk along here along you're the welcome. way thanks very much you're welcome